Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word and we pray that your Holy Spirit who inspired it will help us to understand it for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Right, it's, um, it is very nice to be with you this morning. Um, it's always very different having it, as uh, Lisa, it's only a couple of weeks ago here for the confirmation, but you were hosting the deanery that evening, um, whereas obviously this is uh, you as a parish, so it's, uh, it's nice to be with you as a parish. Who is the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the Spirit, we read in Ephesians 5 verse 18. When you hear those words, I wonder what picture you have in mind, or if any picture comes to mind. I want to give you uh, a couple of possible pictures. If you think of something being filled, uh, you might think of yourself standing uh, by the side of your car with a trigger filling up the tank. And it reaches a point where the thing cuts out, and if you're like me, you then wait and then you do it again till it cuts out and so on. Other people just stop when it cuts out. But that, that might be one image. And there's an empty petrol tank and you fill it up. Or you might think of, uh, a, a, of a bottle or a jug that you're filling uh, with water to take and drink. And you, you get to a certain point and you stop. That might be one image of being filled with the Spirit. There's another way of looking at how you might fill something. Uh, I go to, um, uh, some of you will be aware, I go to uh, uh, East Africa fairly regularly, uh, to, particularly to Rwanda and to Burundi. And one of the things that I, uh, I love watching, although it always in one sense pains me as well, is I love spending time with uh, children in villages out there collecting water. And... Uh, for many of them, it's a long journey to the nearest water pump. And they carry these great big yellow jerry, they're nearly always yellow, jerry cans, which, are, which they run to the pump uh, on the way there because they're empty. But they, then they pump, pump, and they fill it, and then they carry, often will carry it back on their heads. And you see these four- and five-year-olds carrying five that great big jerry cans full back. But in some places I go to, they haven't even got the, they haven't got the secure pumps. Uh, they go down to the lakeside. And then they don't fill it by uh, pouring in at all. They plunge the whole thing into the side of the lake until the whole thing is full. But of course, the whole thing is plunged in, so it's not just the inside which is drowned It's the outside is also now living in the water until it's pulled out. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he doesn't want you or I to have the image of being like an empty tank that you can fill up to a point where you stop. He would rather, the image is much more of like that small child with the yellow jerry can by the lakeside plunging it in so that not only the whole vessel is filled inside but the whole of the outside is also living and dwelling in that water. 
And you and I are meant to be filled with the Spirit in the sense of being absolutely plunged into the life of the Spirit. Not just so that we are filled, but that our whole lives are lived in the atmosphere and in the life of the Spirit all around us. Inside and outside is just covered and flowing in the life of the Spirit. That's the kind of image that we should have. Although, of course, in the context, Paul gives us another image. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes when people first read that, it's a bit of a shock to their system. Because um, there is a very deliberate kind of mirroring going on. If someone's drunk with wine, we know what happens. They become intoxicated. They become controlled by the wine. And Paul is saying, that's not the right way to live. That is not the way to use your body as a follower of Jesus Christ. But there's something about the image which is real about living in the life of the Spirit. We are to be intoxicated with God, intoxicated with the life of the Spirit, so that the Spirit is the one who controls our living, not ourselves. That we live under his control, under his guidance. And that is seen, Paul says in this particular context, in three ways. It leads to a life of overflowing worship, a life of overflowing thankfulness, and a life of overflowing submission to one another. Now we'll come back to those three things uh, at the end. But who is this Holy Spirit who Paul tells us that we should be filled with, be intoxicated by, dwell in completely and allow to dwell in us completely. Well, we're going to look at John uh, 14 uh, to 16. And uh, if, you've got, if you want to use a pew Bible in front of you, um, I forgot what page number it was. I have, it was 1,000 and something. Uh, we start at John 14. About 1,080, was it? 1,082, thank you. John 14, verse 16. Says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another, now in the translation you had read, counsellor or helper. Now, look at verse 26, which we also read. But the counsellor, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. But then if you run over to the next chapter, chapter 15, Also verse 26, but when the helper, the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, and then into chapter 16, verse 7, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it's your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the counsellor, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, and then uh, verse uh, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So, five times in John's Gospel, the word that is used, this is the only bit of Greek you're going to get from me this morning, the, the Greek word is paraclete, parakletos. 
It means someone who comes alongside. And it's variously translated in the English translations as counsellor, comforter, helper, advocate. This is who the Holy Spirit is. He is our counsellor, our helper, our comforter, our advocate. He is the one who comes alongside us. Now, um, people like the word comforter sometimes until they understand exactly what it meant uh, when, they tra- when it was used in the translation for comfort uh, in the King James Version, because the King James Version says comforter. Um, the most famous use in art and literature of, uh, of an illustration of comfort is in the Bayer Tapestry, you know, the, 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 that wonderful tapestry which tells the story of the Norman invasion and conquest of England. And in it, there is a picture of King Harold of England comforting his soldiers. And what is he doing? He has a spear which he is poking the soldiers with. And this is Harold comforting his soldiers. Because in that era, and in the, in the era of the King James uh, translation, comfort did not mean putting a nice arm round and offering nice work, tender words. It meant prodding you into the right action. And uh, hence why uh, the word comforter is not used in most of the modern translations, because it gives the wrong impression about what the Holy Spirit is up to. Advocate is hardly, but but, um, are any of you fans of silk? Yes, okay. So, the Holy Spirit is a bit like Martha in silk. Not always comfortable, not always pleasant, but absolutely determined to get the right outcome and to work on our and your behalf to see justice done and to see right prevail. It's that kind of advocacy that the Holy Spirit's on about. It's a, it is actually a legal word. In Greek, it is a legal word. It was the word used for the kind of defence barrister in the ancient world. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. To come alongside us, to comfort in the sense of prodding and poking us into action, to be there as our defender and to help us be the defender of Jesus, which we'll come look at uh, in, in a bit more in a moment. So what else do we learn about who this Holy Spirit is from these things? Well, Jesus says that he will send the Holy Spirit and the Father will send the Holy Spirit. So he, the, the Spirit comes from the Father and from Jesus. And Jesus says he is another helper And the word they use there is he's like, he's a similar helper to Jesus himself. Because the Holy Spirit is is Jesus' presence with us now. This is who the Holy Spirit is. The disciples were really worried that Jesus had kept talking about going away. He wasn't going to be with them anymore. They felt they were going to be bereft. Jesus assures them, 
actually, if I go away, you'll find it's even better. Because I will send you another one like myself to be alongside you, to help you, to support you, to sustain you, just like me, but living within you. This is who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus' presence with us. And I don't know whether you know, this is, it's an easy word to skip over, but Jesus says, who will be with you forever. Not a lot of us spend lots of time thinking about heaven and about what life will be like beyond the grave and beyond the new, new heavens and the new earth. But the one thing I can promise you from the words of Jesus is you and I will only be able to worship for eternity and to be the people that God will make us beyond this life because the Holy Spirit will be with us, enabling us to be that for eternity. We have the Holy Spirit not just for this life, but forever. That's fantastic. So he is Jesus and the Father's with us, living with us and within us. He is our teacher. He is the spirit of truth. That's how he's described on two, three occasions here. Pointing to Jesus who is the truth. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance the teaching and the deeds of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches us the way of Jesus. The Holy Spirit can never and will never teach us something which is contrary to the way of Jesus because he is Jesus' presence with us, helping us to live Jesus' way. So there's no way the Holy Spirit can ever tell us uh, to do something different. When I was uh, a vicar in East London, which is a few years ago now, um, but I had one very sad instance where a member of my congregation came to me one day and told me that the Holy Spirit had told her to leave her husband and go and live with another man. Now, it's a very complicated... I mean, I've given you it very, very starkly. You'll, you'll realise the story was much more complicated than, than as simple as that. But that's, that was the conclusion. To, the Holy Spirit has told me I should leave my husband and my two sons that have to... Uh, Uh, and go and live with someone. And the one thing I could guarantee was I could look her in the eye and say, the Holy Spirit did not tell you that. The sad thing for me was that she went ahead and did it. But the Holy Spirit will never teach us something which is contrary to the way of Jesus. Because he is here to help us be like Jesus and live the way of Jesus. He is our guide and our director in the way of Jesus. But in chapter 16, uh, we also discover that he is the convincer. This is, uh, this is, let me read you, this is chapter 16, verses 7 to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's your advantage that I go away. Uh, in passing, you know, I, I sometimes think, say to myself, it would be so nice to have been with Jesus like the disciples. I feel they had an advantage over me. But then Jesus says to the disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away and that I'm not with you. So it's to our advantage 
that Jesus is not physically here with us, but is with us by his spirit. That's to our advantage, he says. That's just impossible. When he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit's job, one of the Holy Spirit's jobs, is to be the convincer of people about their sin, about what is right in Jesus, and about the reality of judgment. The Holy Spirit does a convincing work. And um, as the great Baptist preacher of the 19th century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said, the Holy Spirit is a convincer before he is a converter. Because he convinces people of their sin in order that they realise their need to be converted through Jesus Christ's coming. He is the one who convinces people. And that conviction leads to comfort and conversion. Then, the main purpose of the Spirit that Jesus gives us in in this kind of closing talk that he gives to the disciples is to witness to Jesus. And that means he enables us to be witnesses to and of Jesus as well, in our lives and with our words. And here is one of the ways in which he acts as the advocate, the defence barrister. If you read through the Acts of the Apostles, there are quite a number of occasions where the first Christians found themselves deeply up against it. The religious leaders didn't like what was going on. Peter and John are going on the way to the temple. They heal somebody and they tell people they're healing in the name of Jesus. They get hauled up before the authorities and the authorities don't quite know what to do with them because they can't quite get over the courage of these men who had previously been locked away for fear of what might happen. But the one thing they recognised that they had been with Jesus um, Peter gets arrested again. And uh, they te- they, uh, on another ca- they say, you mustn't preach in this name. And he says, I don't care what you say. You might be the religious leaders. If God tells us to preach in the name of Jesus, we will preach in the name of Jesus. Stephen, later on, gets hauled up before the religious authorities and he finds courage to speak of Jesus and of the truth of Jesus which, of course, leads to him being stoned to death. But he, he is given the ability to speak for Jesus and about Jesus. And the, the Acts of the Apostles is, is full of further examples of these people whose lives have turned upside down and who find that the Holy Spirit gives them the ability to be the advocate for Jesus with those who stand against him. One of the things that... Um, now, those are big public things and most of us won't have to face that but all of us do live next door to people who don't necessarily think much of the Christian faith or they might think quite a bit of it but they're not convinced by it and we find ourselves and I include myself thinking oh I can never talk to them about Jesus it's just something I couldn't I, I just can't the Holy Spirit is the one who is here to help us to be the witnesses for Jesus, to be, the, to be his advocate. 
to have the right word to say at the right time. Not to be brilliantly gifted evangelists, not to have all the answers, not to be able to argue philosophically about this, that and the other, but simply to bear witness to who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. And that the reality of his death and his resurrection. And all of us are called to be those kind of witnesses. And, it's the ho- and none of us can do it without the Holy Spirit's help. So when we're thinking about family members, when we're thinking about next door neighbours, when we're thinking about people at the school gate, people at the office, people at the club, who we might be praying for, Lord, help them to see the truth. Please, Holy Spirit, do your work of convincing them. And be, help me to be the person who speaks on behalf of Jesus to them at the right time and give me the right words to say. It's that kind of witness that the Holy Spirit is given to help us to do. The Holy Spirit, you therefore, one has to conclude because of sending from the Father and the Son is the third person of the Godhead. It's not, it was Trinity Sunday last Sunday, so um, that's, I'm not going to go any further than that. This is where it works through why we believe God is three and yet God is one. The Son is the very presence of the Father and the Spirit is the presence of the Father and the Son with us now. He is our comforter, our helper, our counsellor, our advocate, enabling us to learn more of Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus, so that we can lead more people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with us so that we can be more, so, so we can learn more of Jesus, so that we can be more like Jesus, so that we can lead more people to Jesus. That's what he's about. Which is why we need to be plunged into the Spirit. We need to be continually filled by him so that our lives are worked out by our worship together, by lives which are filled with thankfulness and by our mutual recognition of and love for one another which is seen in mutual submission to one another. Because the really interesting thing about what Paul says when he says be filled with the Spirit in conclusion is It's the corporate life of the church as well as the individual life of the Christian believer that wins people to Jesus Christ. They don't just look at an individual life, they look at our life together. And what, and if it is filled with worship, filled with thankfulness, and filled with a mutual recognition of and love for one another, then the world sees Jesus in and through us. And that's what the Holy Spirit's seeking to produce in our lives and in our life together. Because it's the corporate life of Christians living like Jesus that will ultimately win the world. So, sisters and brothers, be filled with the Spirit. Be plunged into the Spirit and let the Spirit control you and this church. Amen.